Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Power Up and Game. I'm your host, Michael, and as always, I am joined by my main man, Taylor. Taylor, how you doing, buddy? Man, I am doing pretty good. At the time of this recording, we are hours away from the release of Marvel's Spider-Man 2. What an end of year for us here. We had Starfield, <laughs> yeah. which has been... Weirdly to me, I thought it was like a overwhelmingly positive, but it seems like it has really crashed down a bit in terms of reception. But I guess the results are what they are, and good for Xbox there. They were the best-selling game of September, I believe. And now we have Marvel Spider-Man 2. And later this month, we're going to have Alan Wake 2. So, not oh, bad. Man. Yeah, uh... Is a, like everybody calls it, Broketober. They say it for a reason. Yeah. So, like, here's my question. Are you going to get uh, Alouette 2? I think it depends for me the reception the game gets. Okay. What about you? Because I know that's one of your most anticipated games. It is, and I am I am definitely getting it when it, uh, when it launches next week at the time of this recording. It comes out next week. I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to the remake of Max Payne One and Two. So you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a Remedy fanboy. So I'm yeah. I am down. I am down for uh, any remake or any new IP that they do. I was down for Quantum Break. I was down for Control, which I actually got a chance to review that game when it first came out. So that was pretty cool. And so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm down for any game Remedy comes out with. So yeah, I'm definitely excited for Alan Wake 2. Now, what I'm debating is if I get Spider-Man 2 on day one. Uh, because, again, for anybody who's listened to who's, who's new to the show, who hasn't been listening to uh, some of our past episodes, I am not a big fan of the $70 price tag. And even with games that I really like, like uh, God of War, I did not get Ragnarok on day one because... I just refuse to pay 70 bucks for a game. And I know people are like, oh, it used to be that way back in the day. It's like, yeah. And back in the day, my parents probably wouldn't, wouldn't have gotten me a game. And you know what? That holds true for this, this uh, generation. I just don't feel like games are worth $70. Now, I did it with Ratchet and Clank, but, you know, that was like... For you, it was an exception to the rule. Yeah. yeah. Which I shouldn't have made. I shouldn't have made an exception. But I did. that's fair it's fair it's one of those things that's been talked about ever since these uh next gen titles went to 70 dollars like what are we getting that's worth that 10 dollar increase yeah and for some games i'd i think you can make the argument like yeah this is worth 70 dollars easy and then some games you play and you're like nope not at all like this is i'd argue it's not worth 60 so yeah just it's inconsistent i'll say that yeah it was it was also a, a big dis- discourse when they went up to 60 the first time it's like uh you sure about that you guys sure that uh what you got going on this new technology is worth 60 dollars and now they're asking for hey 70 always online uh you don't even get the full game when it releases we're gonna drip feed you new content. She's like, ah, oh, is it really worth 70 bucks? But 
Yeah, that's that's been a thing for me. Uh, I've been questioning if anything's worth seventy dollars, and honestly, even with Ratchet and Clank, I didn't think it was worth seventy. But yeah, again, exception to the rules and whatnot. All right. With that said, let's actually move on to what's on our docket for the day. In a surprise development, Battlefield 2042 has garnered and kept a substantial player base during and after its free-to-play weekend on Steam. We get a first look at Omni-Man in Mortal Kombat 1 that has been revealed. Pete Hines is leaving Bethesda after 24 long years. But for our main topic, Taylor, how about you go ahead and take it away? Let's get into our main topic today, which is Spider-Man 2 related. And as a quick disclaimer, we do want to say that you can find sources for all the topics we're going over today down in the description of this episode. We do that to give out proper credit. And if anyone wants to read further about the topics we cover, also it's important to note that you should take any rumors or reports we cover with a grain of salt until they are officially confirmed or denied. Of course, some reports and rumors will be more reliable but nothing is 100% in the gaming scene until it is properly announced. And sometimes, even then, it might get canned in the future. With that disclaimer out of the way, here is our main topic of the week. Can Marvel Spider-Man 2 surpass the first game? Before we get to that question, let me tee it up for Michael. First off, it should be said that by the time this episode goes out, as I said at the beginning of this thing, Spider-Man 2 will already be out. So this segment will be pretty fun because we both could be completely wrong with our takes and predictions. What else is new, by the way? Regardless, though, I wanted our main topic this week to be in line with what we did for Starfield last month. Just having a free-flowing conversation about the game, what we're hoping to see, what we're expecting to see realistically, and more. So, Michael, kick us off here, man. Do you think Marvel's Spider-Man 2 can surpass the original game? To be honest, yes. And that's because we are finally at a point to where there are so many more uh, PlayStation 5s out in the wild now, and more people got a chance to get their hands on it. Uh, so I think there is a much better chance that people will get their hands on Spider-Man PS5. But there's also the point that this Spider-Man is not going to be on PS4. So that's also going to kind of hold it back. But I do think that uh, there's enough PlayStation 5s out there and people who upgraded from the 4 to the 5 uh, to help push Spider-Man 2. Uh, beyond the first one so yeah I oh you're saying in terms of player base because i don't think i've ever base, heard yeah. the argument that a game on last gen not coming out could be holding back on next gen that was it was a weird way you phrased it there no. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just saying in terms of how many people are going to get the chance to play the game it shouldn't be as big as a problem as it would be what with god of war ragnarok i think that'd be a good example yeah, it still did well. Yeah, it still did well, but I don't think you should be concerned in the slightest of uh, there not being enough people with PlayStation 5s for you to surpass sales of Marvel Spider-Man 1. I think it's going to crush Marvel Spider-Man 1 sales-wise. I really do. In terms of quality, I think it's going to crush it. 
because and and this isn't to say like Marvel Spider Man One is bad. I think it was, it was one of the best games to come out in twenty nineteen. Oh, awesome. It was game of the year. The only problem is it came out in the same year as God of War twenty eighteen and Red Dead Redemption Two. So it was a game of the year worthy title that would have won it if not for two games that just also brought it. Uh, so I think the second game is basically going to be let's do what we did from the first game, but so much better. Let's make some actual legitimate improvements. For example, we saw in the E3, not the E3, their state of play demo. Uh, the wingsuits to get around the city quicker. It looks cool. Yep. You adding Venom to the game immediately <laughs> brings the hype, I think, for a lot of Spider-Man fans. Granted, the first game had the Sinister Six. That was that was crazy. Yeah. That was crazy, but the second game, having Venom and Craven and now Miles in the suit, and they're going to be playing as both of them, it feels like... They, they're just taking everything from the first game, like I said, and improving on it and making it bigger. Yeah, and don't forget that uh, not only is like they're going to bring in like Sandman, but they're also bringing Lizard. So the Lizard's going to be in this one too. So the thing about the Sandman thing is I didn't know about that. I've been trying to go in completely blind. And I just saw a screenshot uh... of it and I was like, ah, damn it. All right. So the only things I know is what you just said. I know Lizard's in it, and I know Sandman's in it, in terms of the side villain, so to speak. So I don't know anything else, and I'm going to try to keep it that way for the most part. Okay. But yeah, man, (laughs) I'm really excited for it. In terms of what I'm expecting, I don't know about you, but I'm expecting great storytelling. Like I said, the gameplay improvements, I'm expecting some cool suits. And I'm kind of hoping for some cool free roam elements to where I can switch back and forth between Peter and Miles. I don't know if that's going to be a thing, but that'd be really cool. Okay, see, I don't know how much I can actually say to not spoil things for you. Because they did talk about uh, how they switched characters. Mm-hmm. And that there are sections, there are times where you actually see the other Spider-Man roaming around the city fighting crimes. You can join in at any time. That's awesome. Yeah, I was like, "Damn it, that's so cool!" Yeah. Uh, I I saw one person, one reviewer that I follow on uh Twitter. Uh, somebody asked, like, "Is it true that you can find them?" She's like, "Oh yeah, I mostly play as Miles, and while swinging around, uh, I saw Peter fighting crime, and I just jumped right in and helped him out." It's like, "Fuck, dude, that's so baller!" See, that's something even in the first game. Whenever you're like taking pictures of all these landmarks. And I think one of the most popular ones was the Avengers Tower, right? Yeah. But for me, like, whenever there was the Daredevil Easter eggs in the game, and it just it got me thinking. I was like, man, what if you were just roaming around in Marvel Spider-Man, and all of a sudden you see Daredevil running from the rooftops and shit? Like, that'd be really that'd cool. Be awesome. So when you say that about, like, oh, you can be playing as Peter, you can be playing as Miles, and you'll see the other one just roaming around doing their thing, that's awesome. Yeah. That's kind of exactly what I wanted. Not to, like, I didn't think it would be like, yeah, the, these two Spider-Men, but I hope that's something they can continue to also do. And maybe with the next Spider-Man game or whatever, they can do something like, yeah, you know, it's not just the Spider-Men. 
you'll sometimes see Daredevil running around or whoever else is based in New York, the Luke Cages, Jessica Jones. Uh, that would be kind of cool to see like other other heroes uh, that's come up and be like, oh yeah, I'm in New York, but you know, uh, only because Spider Man doesn't really come around Hell's Kitchen like that. So like, yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty cool to see. So what are you expecting from the game? More Somniac magic. I yeah. <laughs> I see, it's hard to man. talk about like expectations because it's more so like you know the game's going to be good. Oh yeah. Like that's baseline is it's going to be good, but it, expectations wise, it's a thing where it's I don't know fully what I'm going to get from Insomniac. But I'm just going to sit back and, for lack of a better way to phrase it, I'm going to let them cook. Because they know what they're doing. Yeah, they know about characters and stories. And they're passionate about Spider-Man. Like it, it, You can tell this is made by people who love the Spider-Man franchise. That grew up with Spider-Man. Whether it's the cartoons, the movies, or the comic books. Like They put so much love and passion into this. I, like, I don't understand how anybody can sit there and not like what some of that makes with the uh, Spider-Man games. Yeah, I'm not sure... Maybe if you're just not into the genre, maybe, or the character, I can understand. Well, then you're not but... playing the game. Yeah, it's like, yeah. There's, there's, there's no reason for you to play the game. Like, there's no reason for you to be like, oh, I don't like this because it's Spider-Man. Like, well, obviously it's not for you. It feels a lot like the Arkham games, right? In the sense that when you play the Arkham games, like, you had this feeling of this is a Batman game. That was... Yeah. It was just crafted to be this experience for fans and it feels that way for spider-man and i'm not sure like thinking about like quality who didn't like this game and i don't say that to like put you down if you didn't like the game it's a genuine question i'm very curious if somebody did not care for the gameplay for the inter the interpretations of the characters maybe i i'm very curious the people who did not like the first game why because you're right, it's one of those things that Insomniac is just so passionate about this franchise, and they seem to have their eye on the ball, that I cannot imagine anybody not enjoying this, you know? But I'm sure there yeah. are. Like, how many billions of people there are out there in the world, how many millions of gamers there are, I'm sure there's at least one person who was like, yeah, I really didn't like Marvel Spider-Man. So if you are just that one person, let us know why you didn't like the game in the comments or in our Discord. You know what? Now I gotta like look for <laughs> a bad review. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I, now, now, now I have to find it because yeah, I, I'm curious now. Like, what could you say? They'd be like, "Oh, this isn't very good." Uh, but yeah, while you're saying, while you're, while you're talking about that, I'm gonna Google Spider Man bad reviews. <laughs> what? Well- I want to talk about some predictions here because we're going to get into some Marvel Spider-Man 1 spoilers, possibly some Miles Morales spoilers, because I want to talk about where we think the story is going to go in part two. For me, I think it's going to be a thing where Harry is going to be using the symbiote early, lose it to Peter, and then I do think he gets it back at the end. I think he will end up being Venom just because there is no other choice. It's the most logical option. And I think when you play Marvel Spider-Man 1, I'm not sure they ever said Doc Ock is in the game in the release to the first game, or that was just a surprise, like, oh no, Octavius is a character here. But once you saw Octavius, you immediately went, oh, 
oh, he's going to be the big bad. That, he's right. got to be. And by the end, it's not really a surprise, you know? And I feel like it's going to be the same yeah. thing with part two, to where the writing is going to overcome any of the the lack of shock of Harry being Venom. Uh, see, that's the thing. The, I don't think they're trying to hide it, because they show a bit of it in the, in the, like, the latest trailer. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I don't think they're trying to hide it. I don't think it's a big plot yeah. point. But I think it's yeah. a thing where people are theorizing of a twist to where mm-hmm. I think Insom- or, yeah, Insomniac are going, that's not a twist that we're going for, but please just pay attention to the writing here. Like The writing is going to carry this. So I, I think that's exactly what they're, they're trying to do, what I think they did in the first game with Doc Ock. To where it doesn't seem like it's too shocking, but at the same time, you're 100% invested into the story because you believe that Peter and Doc Ock have that mentor-mentee, somewhat father-son relationship. Okay. If that makes sense. All right, so... Yeah, yeah, it does. So I did find some mixed reviews mm-hmm. uh, for for the Spider-Man game. I'm not going to look at the user reviews because, you know, people like to review bomb and whatnot. Yeah. Review bomb both ways, too, by the way. They do. Be like a they game do. that's bad, but their bias just can't let go of it so it'll be like a 10 out of 10 no problem <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah for me yeah i've been keeping up with the trailers and whatnot so yeah i agree with you i don't think they're trying to have this big twist uh because i know uh, some people they did complain about that in the first game where it's like oh you showed uh all these characters here but all of a sudden there's doc ock that brings together the uh the Sinister Six and yada yada, and not you know Osborn. Even though you've been teasing uh, Osborn and you know Harry, it's like all we got from Harry was like he was sick. Yeah, that was the twist in the first game, really, because it was Harry's uh, in Europe. He's on vacation yeah. for a year or something, and that's what Mary Jane and Peter believed the whole time. And then at the end, Mary Jane yeah infiltrates Osborn's estate. And she discovers that Harry's been sick. And we find out at the very end of the game that uh, Norman has been doing this uh, experiment on him to try to save his son, and it's the symbiote. So, like, that's the big twist of it. It really has nothing to do with the main story. And then you also have the twist of how Martin Lee connects to Osborne and uh, Octavius and all that stuff. So there is twists in the the first Spider-Man game. But I don't think Venom being Harry is going to be one in Spider-Man 2. That's one that I no. think Insomniac's like, there's no point of us trying to even hide it from you because it's so obvious of what we're trying to do. Just stick with yeah. us, guys, all right? We got you. Yeah, and I do think the story's going to be uh, about Peter and Harry, of Peter keeping the symbiote away from Harry because, hey, man, this thing is dangerous. You know, it's not, gonna, it's not the cure you think it is. And, of course, you have to deal with uh, Harry and his sickness. And I would like to see how Mary Jane plays into this uh, story a bit more. Yeah, they're all three supposed to be best friends. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, the three of them interact with one another. And now you have Miles in the mix. Uh, Another Spider-Man is getting in Harry's way of uh, getting the symbiote suit. And what is Miles' role in this, too? Like... 
That's the thing. You're 100% right. Miles, or not Miles, Peter, Harry, and MJ are supposed to be all best friends. Like, they're going to have their emotions clouded throughout the course of this story, most likely. Miles is going, even though he's the youngest, he's going to have to be the voice of reason. He's going to have to be the adult here and be like, hey, look, there's some fucked up shit going on. You got to take a step back. This is not your friend, Harry. Yeah, especially when Peter gets his hands on this symbiote, and uh, now he has to talk down his yeah. mentor from using this aggressive thing that's turning him into like a borderline supervillain. And I could see the argument being made that you could do a twist, so to speak, and have the symbiote go to Miles. But I think this is far more compelling to have Peter. Do. Yeah, and you had exactly what you said. Had the mentee have to probably defeat the master in one part of the game, I would assume. Because you would have... I assume that's probably how he's going to get the suit off unless they go the actual canon route of him going to the church and getting it off. But I feel like if you don't have a Miles versus Peter showdown at some point during the story, <laughs> it feels like a missed opportunity. Because you're not going to get yeah. that often. And it just seems... For the sake of drama and entertainment, it seems really fun. It it would be, especially if you get to play as a as a Venom Peter. Yeah, and you have to face Miles, and then another section you can play as Miles, uh, taking on Venom Peter. That'd be kind of cool to do. And Peter's using all the skills that you've upgraded for him too. That would be really awesome. If that would happen, I'd be like, I'm going to make you the weakest villain yeah. ever. <laughs> Who are you expecting to see, other than what you know from the trailers, who are you expecting to see villains-wise? I think that's a fun one. Oh, man. That's actually a good one. Um, I do want to see a little bit of Green Goblin, since we do know... um. Uh, we do know Harry's going to be involved heavily into the story. Are you saying Harry is Green Goblin or Norman by the end? Well, Norman, no, Norman, Norman, because of course he's gonna, yeah, because of course he's gonna want the uh the Venom suit back. So you know, I can see him uh taking up the mantle, or not taking up the mantle, but uh becoming Green Goblin just as a reason to have power to go after the Venom suit. Now that would be a Doc Ock level. <laughs> That'd be a cool. You know twist. where Doc Ock shows up as the leader of Sinister Six. That would yeah. recreate that moment to me. To whereas they kind of set up throughout the game that Norman is because they kind of do it in the first game. They had the Goblin bombs, I think, near the end, like showing no, the Goblin still we're not giving up on that Goblin concept. It's just not going to be Norman Osborn as the mayor. Green Goblin's coming at some point. It would be kind of cool to have like Norman slowly losing his mind or he takes the goblin serum or something and he's slowly losing his mind throughout the course of the story and by the end it's him trying to kill spider-man to save his son that'd be kind of cool but i also kind of want to see if that doesn't work out i want to see harry get so desperate to get the uh the symbiote back Mm -hmm. that he would actually take up the mantle and become hobgoblin as he loses his mind to his sickness. Because we don't even know what he's sick with. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the thing. It's a mysterious sickness. Uh, so maybe, like you said, uh, um, 
Norman was doing experiments on his son, so maybe it was the Goblin Serum too. Maybe he's a bit of the Hobgoblin in him. Could be. Well, the thing is, is Norman and Harry have both been Green Goblin before. And yeah. it, it's typically what it is from what I've seen. I know in the comics it's probably all sorts of different variations. But normally from what I see, what I've seen is it's either going to be Norman or Norman dies and it ends up being Harry. That's usually the two ways they go about it. Um, it would be great if they did like a Sam Raimi uh, reference and had uh, Goblin die by his own glider. That would be good. I feel like we're talking about <laughs> Spider-Man 3 though, at this point. Because I don't think we're going to see Green Goblin. Like, that would be a cool thing to slowly be introducing throughout the course of the game. And then we get like a... I, I think the comparison to make is like Two-Face in the Dark Knight. That he'll show up at the end as a Goblin, you know? Or hell, mm. as bad as it was, Goblin in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> to where he shows up oh. as Green Goblin at the very end. Uh, hopefully that would be much better than that interpretation. But <laughs> besides the point, I just don't think we're going to say it realistically. See, now I want to look at reviews and see if that pops up. <laughs> I'm going to spoil it for myself. You're going to spoil it for yourself. As for me, though, I would say villains. I'm looking just to see the ones we didn't see in the first game. As somebody who's played Spider-Man 1 and Miles Morales, mm -hmm. if we were never to see Rhino again, in a Spider-Man game, <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. be mad. Really? I'm good. I've gotten my intake of Rhino content out of Insomniac. He's been in it enough. His his villain fights are exactly what you think they'd be, and nothing more. And that's okay, because he's Rhino. He's not that big a deal. But man, I'm kind of I'm done with him. I'm good. Oh, okay. I don't really wow. want to see Vulture again. Scorpion was pretty cool, but I don't want to see him. So I just want to see the ones we did not see in the first game. The We already know about Lizard. We know about Sandman. I want to see the Mysterios. All right. We already got a Tinker, unfortunately, <laughs> from Miles Morales. So that's also off the table. So I just want to see more villains that we haven't really gotten to see yeah. from the this universe here. I, I would like to see a mixture of uh, Peter's villains and Miles, because yeah. I don't know much about Miles' rogue gallery. Uh, so I actually like to, I like to, I like I like to get to know a little bit more of his villains, like see if they bring in any of Miles. Uh, I assume there's there. a lot of crossover that. Because the thing is, is Spider-Man's rogues gallery is so iconic that I think yeah. it's a disservice to... I might be completely wrong about this. Like, I don't know much about Miles Morales' comics, but... Same here. It would seem like a disservice to be like, yeah, Peter's rogues gallery is so good, and we're just going to try to re like create an entirely new rogues gallery for Miles instead of trying to potentially reinvent or have them both share some villains. That's what I think is probably the best call. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I can kind of see them doing like a Batman Beyond kind of thing to where they're similar, but they've obviously been inspired by some of the old villains. Yeah. And like they kind of take on those kind of mantles. Yeah, the thing with Spider-Man villains too 
is the personal connection they have with Spider-Man for some reason or another. Yeah. So that's kind of going to be the disconnect with Miles' villains is how do you personally connect Miles to the villain? And with Miles Morales, the game, not the character, I think they really fumbled with the villain of the team. Really? I really think they fumbled it. Because it... To me, it seems like they excuse the actions of the villain because they did not want her to be a villain, but she was. And that's like the fundamental flaw of, like, that's the Spider-Man villains. That's the thing. Like, yeah, they could be sympathetic, but they're villains at the end of the day. And it felt like Miles Morales didn't treat the tinker like that. It seems like she was the misunderstood hero when you go, Oh, she was a terrorist. The hell are you talking about? <laughs> okay. See, I liked what they did with the tinker, uh, the way they connected the tinker to, uh, miles. I was like, okay, see, that makes sense. It makes sense that she's not a villain, but she is, she has her reasons for why she's doing these things, uh, doing bad things to get revenge, doing bad things for something good. Okay. Okay, I'm getting the full Miles Morales spoilers here, but she had the gall to get pissed off at Miles and yes. say it was his fault. Meanwhile, she put Miles's mom in danger. She did. And, you know, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm not saying she was a good person. With I know, I'm but that's saying- the thing. The game phrased her like a good person. Like the way you present the character matters. Yes, and they presented her as someone who's doing bad things, but she had a clear reason other than just, oh, I'm mad at the world, I'm evil. It's like, no, all I want is to make this guy pay. Like, yeah, but you're hurting other people. Well, that's the bad guy's side. Yeah, sure. But I just want this guy and everybody's getting in my way. Spider-Man's getting in my way. I don't want to hurt people. I want to hurt him. It's like, well, yeah, sure, but you're still doing bad yeah. things. The way you're doing it, the way you're doing it is in a bad way. Like it's getting people hurt, like you said. So I'm not saying she's a good person. Oh, I know you're not, but the game did. <laughs> that's basically really? that's I my did, problem. Uh, I, I, did, I didn't take it that way. Like, yeah, she did something good at the end because oh, Spider-Man is my friend. And even when she found out who Miles was, who Spider-Man was, it wasn't just, hey, Miles, since we're friends, I'm gonna sit down and stop this. Please help me stop this guy. I was like, no. Screw you, dude. You, what, 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 what were you? Okay, no, I'm going to do this myself. I don't care if you're Spider-Man, Iron Man, Hulk. I don't care. I'm going to do what I have to do to stop this evil person, if that means me being evil myself. Because, hey, fight fire with fire. I like, I like villains who are good and bad. I don't like villains that's just straight up evil, except for, like, uh, Joker, because he's just flat out crazy. And Well, see, here's the problem with your entire case here. Like what you're saying as a character on paper is fantastic. Even though personally, I think that for some reason, I think Hollywood, not just the gaming industry, but I think Hollywood is trying to make this, Oh, this person's just a villain. Cause they had a horrible childhood or a backstory. Look at this terrible thing. That happened to them. <laughs> so they're not that bad. Everybody's got to be redeemed or like sympathetic. And that like, you got to let some people just be villains. And no, yeah, yeah, in Spider-Man, that, yeah. you also get that sometimes. But in the case of the Tinker, and why I, I can't, we're becoming a Spider-Man Miles Morales podcast right now. But in the case of uh-huh. the Tinker, for me, it was a thing where they went with the usual Spider-Man, which is great for the character. Like, 
most of his villains are, yeah, there's a sympathetic trait to them. Something happened to them that really sucked and made them who they are. But usually they are presented as the villains. Yeah, they need help, but they're the bad guy. When it came to the Tinker, when it came to Finn, it was a thing of Miles apologizing every two seconds for lying to her, (laughs) even though he is the one who had the secret identity to protect. And he just reconnected with her months ago. Well, no, not even months ago, like days ago, because it all takes place over like Christmas break. So to act as if you should have told me you're Spider-Man and then immediately like you lied to me, like you did too. You're the tinkerer. You went to my mom's rally and (laughs) terrorized her as a distraction. That's what you think of my family. But that's not what Miles said or did. Instead, what Miles said or did was, I'm sorry, Finn. I'm sorry, Finn. You're right, Finn. I'm so- it just it came across to me as just, let's excuse the, cr- the crimes of the villain because we want her not to be a villain. But you wrote her as one, so I can't help that. You know? So I think in that, this is by Insomniac, so we just talked all this stuff about like Insomnia has this magic and they're great at the writing. They're not a hundred percent because I really think that they faltered with the Tinker as a villain. I, and especially in terms of the writing for the character. And then you had this whole epilogue with Miles where he's talking to his mom about like, yeah, she saved us all. It, that came across to me the same way that at the end of WandaVision, <laughs> where, <laughs> you know exactly where I'm going with this. They'll never know what you sacrificed. You kept them all hostage. Yeah, you let them go and you gave up your fake family, but you kept them all hostage. You didn't <laughs> sacrifice anything. Like, yeah, Finn self-sacrificed at the end. But, cool. You self-sacrificed. You redeemed yourself. You're still the bad guy who put everybody in this situation. You put the city in on fire. Literally, at the end of the game. So, I can't like sympathize with you there. You went too far. And that's what I'm saying with the writing is like, let's hope none of that is in Spider-Man (laughs) 2. Let's hope it's a lot of the greatness, I think, of Miles Morales' story. Because there was a lot of great writing in that too. But just not with the villain. And there was a lot of great writing in Marvel's Spider-Man 1. So let's hope there's a lot of that writing in Marvel's Spider-Man 2 and less of, for at least me, the Taker story. They're just kids. Oh my goodness, kids with powers are going to do silly things, man. But hey, I get what you're saying. I I, I get it, man. It's not for everybody. Hey we became a Spider-Man Miles Morales podcast for <laughs> 15, 20 minutes. Uh, we've been going pretty long about this, though. I think both of us are on uh, the same page when it comes to we're really hyped about this. We do think it can surpass the original. Anything else you want to say about Spider-Man Two before we move on? Uh, not for Spider-Man 2, but I did find some negative and mixed reviews for Spider-Man 1. Give me, give me one. The best one you got. Let's hear it. Um, so, the mixed reviews that I found, Spider-Man is a stark example of an outdated sandbox game whose goal is not to entertain, but rather preoccupy players and uses every cliche in the book to do that. This game shows tremendous love for all things Spider-Man and the ending packs a punch he would be proud of. 
But Exomniac relies too much on its hero to elevate the world built around him, with the result that the game wears thin sometime before its powerful conclusion. I disagree with that, but I do yeah, like the way that was phrased. That was a well phrased <laughs> review that I do disagree with, but respect it. Yeah. Well, you ready to get into our other stories of the week? Yes, let's go ahead and not make this a complete Spider-Man episode. Battlefield 2042 actually saw an increase of players during the recent free-to-play weekend. At its peak, Battlefield 2042 had just over 102,000 concurrent players on Steam during its free-to-play weekend, as reported on by IGN. As Insider Gaming reported, Battlefield 2042 actually retained a lot of players. As of Wednesday, October 18th, the game had 91,000 concurrent players. This was the 10th place game on Steam at the time. So DICE has been fixing and updating the game with new content for a while now. But Taylor, are you surprised to see people returning to Battlefield 2042? I am. And that's not to say that I think Battlefield 2042 is a bad game. Quite the contrary, I think that they've done a lot to fix the game. I really do enjoy Battlefield 2042. It's not a top-tier Battlefield to me. But considering what the game was to what it is now <laughs> and playing it yeah. like having a good time, I think that's an accomplishment. That said, it is surprising to hear that people have returned to the game and then they stuck around. Like, you thought this game was dead. Nah, not yet. The point I guess I want to bring up here, is this just a case of Battlefield improving and people finally seeing it? Like we talked about with Redfall, like, right? You can make these improvements and nobody will get, like, it won't get the traction. You won't get your player pace back. But once, yeah. like, one day, you hope that lightning will strike and you'll get that player base and people will talk about you again. Is that what happened in Battlefield, or is it a thing of COD and Overwatch 2 and all these shooters not really keeping players as much? And I say that like Call of Duty is, <laughs> Call of Duty is one of the most watched games on Twitch <laughs> and best-selling games every year, but it is pretty clear to see the reception. Modern Warfare 2, not as well-received online and Warzone-wise compared to Modern Warfare 2019. Overwatch 2, we don't have to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Modern Warfare 3, coming out in November. Some mixed opinions on Modern Warfare 3, it seems. Uh, for good reasons. Yeah, for good reasons both ways there. there's some From what I've seen of the game, looks to be a lot of the same. A lot of things that has me scratching my head, and then a lot of things that I'm like, that's really cool. Yeah, did you play the beta? I did not, but I saw a lot of gameplay from it. So I played the beta for a little bit, the open beta, because I refused to pre-order that crap. It does not feel like Modern Warfare. And I like it and don't like it at the same time, because I was one of those people who liked the revamped gameplay for Modern Warfare uh, 1, the, re the first reboot. Did not care. I think you and I were both did not. Uh, we were talking about it. We both did not care for the multiplayer in Modern Warfare Two. 
Um, the first one, no, I'm sorry, I was talking to another friend. Uh, he and I agreed, like, yeah, Modern Warfare 2 gameplay is not as good as the first one. And three, it feels like it's going back to, like, maybe Call of Duty Ghost or Infinite Warfare. Like, it did not feel like, um, it didn't feel like Modern Warfare. It felt like they just threw the name Modern Warfare 3 on there just to sell it because of the Microsoft deal was going through. And, you know, they were like, they still had that contract with Sony uh, for PlayStation exclusive stuff. And of course, with the buyout, it's like, oh man, we can't put off for this year. We need to, we need to finish this contract now. So I think like the reason it looks like Modern Warfare 2 uh, from the UI uh, to everything else, the reason it looks that way, the reason they're using the old maps is because I do think it was pushed out way too soon, sooner than they wanted to. Um, because yeah, man, it did not feel like Modern Warfare and it was okay. But I don't see myself getting the game on day one and playing the hell out of the multiplayer. Yeah. It does not feel as good. It does not feel as good as Modern Warfare 1 well, to me. Getting back to the Battlefield thing, it kind of goes back to my point. I personally, I think it's a combination of Battlefield improving year over year and these popular shooters actually regressing year over year. That's my take on it. I think it's just a perfect combination to where Battlefield just caught fire right there. It's exactly what we were talking about with Redfall last week. Like, you just gotta wait till you can catch fire. And that's what it feels like happened here. Do you agree with that take, or do you think it's a simple, like, oh, no, Battlefield is just improving. That's what it is. They got a free-to-play weekend, people saw it, and that's what happened. I think in the case of uh, 2042, I think it was more of people kind of forgot about 2042 because <laughs> they moved on to playing other things. And, you know, yeah, we keep hearing about how they improve things. But it's like, yeah, but I don't really care or I'm not really into that right now. Because like you said, there's so many other options for them. And uh, I think with uh, the moment for three beta happening and more most players not caring about the Call of Duty brand because they're like, hey. I do miss Battlefield, and I think that's what it was. Uh, people who missed Battlefield was like, oh, that's right, 2042 is a thing. And with the free-to-play weekend, a lot of people can go in there for the first time because they probably skipped out on the Battlefield when it first launched. Uh, they got to go in with like a brand new, what feels like a full-blown experience for 2042. Uh, so I think for them, they're like, okay, this is the Battlefield I wanted. So they probably either bought the game or they or they re-downloaded the game to their hard drives and started playing it again. Um, so I really think it's more just people forgetting about the game and the free-to-play weekend bringing them back in to remind them that it exists. And a lot of people get to play the newer updates uh, with fresh eyes instead of just be like, oh man, I remember when this sucked. Because uh, that'll put you off. You, even me, I, I have Battlefield 2042 and I'm just like... Yeah, I don't know if I want to re-download that. I don't know if I want to play it again. I don't know if I want to waste my time. Uh, but for people who's going in, fresh fresh eyes, bushy-tailed, not knowing how horrible it was when it first launched, I know they're going in with a great first experience. Yeah, I agree. Good for Battlefield 2042, though. Because it's not also, if you didn't like 2042 and you want DICE to move on and you want just EA to move on with the franchise and go back to another Battlefield. It's still happening. Regardless yeah, of Battlefield 2042 success. 
So this yeah, is this just like studios. Yeah, like it's just this one game. Yeah, you're getting some success for it. It kind of reminds me a bit of Battlefield Two, or not Battlefield Two, Battlefront Two. I don't think Battle. I think Battlefront Two had a higher comeback. It had a better redemption story, but for this, yeah, man, pretty good. Nothing really bad to say here. We're ready to talk about some Omni Man. <laughs> oh yeah, we got that uh, season two trailer finally. I haven't seen that either. Just like Spider Man, I'm trying to go oh. in blind, invincible. I'm sorry. Oh man, you know you you really should because they do kind of ruin it at the end of the trailer. It's like ah oh, man, you 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 kind of did a thing. You could have left this out of the trailer because we already know what's going to happen. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we get our first look at Omni Man in Mortal Kombat One. Just real quick. We're probably going to be talking about some Invisible Season 1 spoilers, so keep that in mind. And for those who have watched the Amazon Prime series, the trailer showed off some familiar moves from the superhero killing Vulture Mike himself. Taylor, what are your thoughts on the first look? I never thought. <laughs> this is going to make me sound really stupid, which, to be fair, that's all the time. But besides the point, <laughs> wow. I never thought that they would use the moves from Omni-Man in the series. And when I saw that in the first look, I was just like, why didn't I think of that? It's brilliant. Fucking brilliant. Uh, I, I just thought it was like really cool. It almost makes me want to get Mortal Kombat 1. Same. Uh, but unfortunately, it's because they, they still do that combat pack and crap. It's like, ah, I kind of want to like... I kind of want the full game and kind of be done with it. So just like what I do with Street Fighter, uh, I wait until they have like the uh, Mortal Kombat Complete Edition or something like that. And then I end up getting like the Ultimate Editions and stuff. That's when I get those. So unfortunately, by the time I get to play as Omni-Man, everybody's going to know like every brutality and fatality and combo move. I'm going to get my ass handed to me online. Uh, because I am that terrible at fighting games, but yeah, it it honestly it made me want to just like go against my better judgment and get Mortal Kombat One just so I can play as Omni Man. That's J.K. Simmons, right? Still voicing the character, yeah, in the game. Okay. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They got they got J.K. Simmons back to uh to voice Omni Man. You gotta assume they got Anthony Snower to also voice Homelander, and you also know they probably got John Cena for a Peacemaker. Yeah, John John Cena's confirmed. Yeah, especially since it's the not even the comic version; it's the one from the show. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm excited. That it was a really good first look. It was way more hype than I thought it'd be. It was one of those things to where a buddy of mine texted me and was like, "Hey, you seen the Omni Man first look from uh, Mortal Kombat One?" I was like, "Nah, I haven't." He was like, "Check it out, man. It's really pretty cool." So I go on there. Two minutes later, I'm like, I'm pumped right now. I don't even have the game. <laughs> so, yeah, it was really good. Can't wait to see more from it. And I'm just like you. I'll be waiting for the whatever edition they're going to call it, which is basically the complete edition. Yeah. But let's talk about our next story, man, which is it's the end of an era. Yes, unfortunately, uh, I don't know much about this one because I do not keep up with uh, everybody that's within the industry. I'm sorry for this. But Pete Hines 
is leaving Bethesda after 24 years. Hines posted the following to social media. Quote, after 24 years, I have decided my time at Bethesda Software has come to an end. I am retiring and will begin an exciting new chapter of my life, exploring interests and passions, donating my time where I can, and taking more time to enjoy life. This was not a decision I came to easily or quickly, but after an amazing career culminating in the incredible launch of Starfield, it feels like the time is right. This is certainly not goodbye by any means. My love for Bethesda, my love of Bethesda and its people has never wavered. And I will never stop being part of this incredible community we have grown. Thank you to the hundreds and thousands of fans I've gotten to meet and talk to over the last 24 years. Your energy, creativity, and support has been such a big part of my journey. I look forward to experiencing the next part of the adventure alongside you. Working with the amazing people, teams, and studios at Bethesda has been the greatest experience of my life. I'm incredibly proud of everything we have done together, and I am genuinely excited to see the amazing things they will create next. Love you guys. Signed, Pete. End quote. Now, this is pretty huge news. Pete Hines and Todd Howard are the figureheads at Bethesda. Now it's just Todd Howard. It'll be interesting to see if anyone can step into Hines' shoes and what the future holds for the studio. So, Taylor, what are your thoughts? I really just echo everything you said at the end there. Congrats to Pete Hines. Hope the best for him. It is a big deal, him leaving. I also think it's a big deal. We don't have this in the notes, and I do not remember the person's name or their job title, but somebody, I think it was a lead quest designer, left the studio as well. Oh, Not retired, just left the studio to go do other things. To me, it's one of those things that I don't think it's going to impact the future of Starfield as much. Like, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. But I read stuff like the lead quest designer leaving and then Pete Hines retiring. And I start to think, man, okay, what about Elder Scrolls 6 here? You know? Yeah. I made the mistake of, and this is, to me, not really too comparable right now because there were so many people leaving 343 and Xbox at the time. But you mm-hmm. remember when Halo Infinite was in development and there was so many developers leaving? Man, it was a rotating door. Yeah. And for me, I was like, yeah, they got it. It's Microsoft. It's like they have so much money. It's fine. They'll throw money at it. They'll find the people. It'll be good. And that's a naive take <laughs> there for me. <laughs> because what I learned is, oh, it, no, it won't be good. Now, I don't think that's as comparable to this because as of now, it's just Pete Hines and the other person. I cannot remember their name off the top of my head. I'm sorry. But um, those are two pretty big positions, though. You know? And sure, mm-hmm. I there's a very good chance that Bethesda could be like, yeah, you know what? Just We're, we're years out from Elder Scrolls. We're still so early on. We'll find replacements. We'll find the talent. I'm sure they'll do that. But it's just something I wanted to bring up. Like, hey, just keep your eye on it. Not saying to be completely concerned or say it's nothing. 
but I found it just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, this, this is one of those things which is like, man, you don't see it coming. It's like, oh, man, I never thought about what happens next when somebody like Pete Hines or Todd Howard decides that they're going to retire. Um, is it going to be like pretty soon? But that's going to be like, um, uh, like, uh, oh, geez, now, now to skip my, they, they did, uh, Bioware. Are they going to be like Bioware? Are they going to be like rare? You know, like once, once the old school figureheads leave, once the people who started up finally decide, hey, it's time to retire and the newer ones come in who can't capture the same magic and whimsical matter that the original figureheads had, are we going to enter to where Bethesda is just going to become another rare or another Bioware to where we're just like, yeah, you know what? I remember back in the day when they did great stuff and now they're struggling to find their identity again. See, that's, I think you're going into the worst case scenario where I was like, hey, don't get too worried. And you immediately were like, yeah, but where this is the end of Bethesda, where they become just like these other once beloved studios that made these incredible games. I don't think we're at all near that at all. And considering also Bethesda just came off of, regardless if you liked the game or you didn't, it's undeniable that Starfield was a hit. So them having a hit and off the back of that being like, oh, maybe that's it for them. I don't know. That's a bit ridiculous. I'm just saying (laughs) Pete Hines leaving and days before I looked it up, lead quest designer Will Shen left the studio as well. It's just one of those things that I'm like, all right, Bethesda, you got some time. Make sure you get the right talent in place here for Elder Scrolls 6 because you cannot fuck that up. And the only reason I'm at all like worried slightly is because of what happened to a game like Halo Infinite that I thought was infallible. Because mm. of Microsoft being behind it and how much resources they have. But you ready to just go ahead and get out of here, man? Yes, yes, let's go ahead. We've been here long enough. Let's quickly talk about what we're working on and where can people find us. So, Michael, what you're working on where can people find you? I am working on a couple of preview videos of some indie stuff, which you can find on my YouTube page, which is still Fox Daddy. You can find me on Twitter at Fox Daddy, S-F-0-X-D-A-D-D-Y. You can also find me on Twitch at twitch.tv, Fox Daddy, S-F-0-X-D-A-D-D-Y. What about you, Taylor? What are you working on? Where can we find you? You can find me in our Discord server for these podcasts, the link for which is in the description of this very episode. Chat with us about your predictions for Spider-Man 2. Well, by the time this episode goes out, your thoughts <laughs> on Spider-Man 2. <laughs> Uh, anything we talked about here today, we would love to hear from you. We got so much content at TNS network that we pretty much cover a whole lot in the entertainment industry. So just join our discord. It's pretty chill. As for other places you can find me, I'm not on any of the socials. So it's pretty much just the discord and on nerds talk movies, our movie slash TV podcast where we, do retrospectives and spoiler talks on various movies and TV shows. Uh, we also have the Lombok Hunters, a comic book podcast from Tristan Benz and Drew Garrison of Nerd Stop Movies. And they talk about specific comic runs, what aged well, what didn't age well, uh, 
what impact did it have on the industry, all sorts of stuff. Uh, be sure to check out those episodes. New episodes come out every three weeks of that podcast. We do have a Patreon account if you wish to support us there. We're not going to lock any podcast content permanently behind a paywall. We might just put some stuff early access behind uh, some kind of patron tier. We're not totally sure yet, but we just want to have a place. If you want to support us, you can. If you don't want to support us on Patreon, that's cool too. Lastly, be sure to check out thenerdstash.com for all sorts of news in the world of gaming, movies, television, and so much more. Michael, you got anything else to add before we get out of here? Uh, no, we're good to go. I want to thank Michael for joining me. I want to thank anyone for listening in. We will be back next week with a brand new episode.